This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. Dun, 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 dun. What's up, Roman? Yo, what's good, Brian? Hey, it's good to be back in the studio. No doubt. It's a beautiful Wednesday. The sun is, is out. And Finally. We yeah, no are back with another incredible guest. Who do we got, Brian? We have a very talented... We have a very charismatic. I That's thought he was right. a famous actor when he walked up. That's right. This Pump is the up. doctor Matt Bruin in the house. What's Yo, up? <laughs> how are you guys doing? What's good, man? Doctor Bruin, welcome to the show. Yeah, Thank you for, for coming, coming on. on. These two guys are styling, man. I feel I feel, I feel a bit overdressed. <laughs> oh man, appreciate it. People, yes. people don't know this, but I, my my whole left arm is a sleeve attached. Ooh, uh, there we go. Uh, I'm just joking, but I, I always okay. lead with that. Uh, <laughs> I wish that my alter ego wishes that, man. So yeah, I'm like you know what? If I could get a whole arm of tats in like 15 minutes, I'd go for it. Yeah, yeah, right. Like the whole like doesn't work and months, that way. Man, no, I just, like yeah. I can't deal. I can't deal. Yeah. It's too much. Oh, yeah. Man. This is this has been years in the making. Yeah. It looks good though. Thank you. Uh, all right, all right. Well, so, let's uh, let's kick it off. Yeah. Before we start uh, every episode with a guest, we start off with three very very special questions. All right. Are you ready? I I, I think so. Okay. Question number truth or dare. <laughs> Kinda. Question Kinda. number one. Yes. What is your vision? Wow. That's a, that's a cre. I mean, that's yeah. a crazy yeah. ethereal one. A vision, uh, personally, vision in terms of business, vision that, in terms yeah. of life, uh, your, everything. Your, your interpretation, um, however you want to apply it. So, you know, given the yeah. context of of you know the show and and everything, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of combine two different pieces. When I was young and I got asked this question, I always said that at the end of the at the end of the road, I knew I wanted to make a difference. And okay. then I'm gonna borrow from an old Jewish quote uh, quote that my wife told me, and she says, "Change one life, change the world." So mm. if you're gonna ask me my vision, that would be it. Okay, Damn. so changing lives, and and we'll give so let's give everyone a little bit of context. You are in treatment. And what are you doing in treatment? So um, I, it, it's, it's actually a long story. I've been building and working with treatment facilities for about 15 years. Um, and then um, I took a little bit of a hiatus and just built out my private practice where I see people for okay. counseling, individual substance abuse counseling, and then had the opportunity to meet a really uh, cool guy who's my business partner who's very active in, in recovery himself. Yeah. And so we both kind of had this cool fusion idea, right? Like I kind of come more from like the clinical background, yeah. but I'm still kind of hip and young and some yeah. pieces. And he was very much the same way. Yeah. Came from a gnarly, gnarly addiction background. Got was very it. much, you know, got sober through NA and that piece. So we said, hey, why don't we kind of come together and fuse these two models, right? Like the psychological deal, like right. getting people to be the best that they can be. Yeah. And then also understanding that, you know, recovery plays an active piece in, in that whole puzzle mm-hmm. and being connected is, is, like a radical thing. So we kind of came together and, and helped kind of build that out. So now I'm the CEO of Apex Recovery Treatment Center, which is here in town. We're also Dumb. one of the Shout only- out Apex. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's <laughs> a cool up? spot. And we're, you know, we're joint commission accredited, of course, of course, all levels of care. Yeah. And we bring like a serious like treatment model that I would consider one of the best in the country at this point. Wow. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's and awesome. We're, and we're going to get deep into that today. I can't yeah. wait. Love talking about we're it. We're stoked to have you on, man. Thank so you. let's get into question, question number yeah. two. Dose. Question number two. 
Dos. What do you love? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. You're there. Oh, man. Uh, I, I'm not going to give you the guy answer because that's the first thing that runs through my head. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get this on a little bit of a deeper level. So um, obviously my family, man, my, mm. my, my, my pops, I absolutely love. Uh, yeah. He's always been there for me uh, and my wife and my kids. I mean, that is uh, number one. Uh, and, 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 and truly, um, you know, I'm, we're not going to get in the total religious thing, but um, I'm a big believer in God. And awesome. so that is something that has kept me stable. So I think without stating that, uh, you know, yeah. it would be a totally uh, – kind of the way to go now on personal things i love supercars okay. supercars <laughs> okay i absolutely dig cars so i'm a, okay. like they, old school classics you're talking like would. lambos I, bentley's I, I, ferraris I, I, I love classics man okay. but you know i've, I've kind of gotten into some some of the more modern new stuff so i totally i totally dig on cars um i've got a pretty radical star wars collection okay okay, so, okay. So like you know growing, hey. growing up i had all the the little toys and you know when back then you know you had like you know like 10 12 of them and you always wish you had the whole thing yeah. Yeah, yeah so when i got into business man i was like you know what i'm, I'm gonna, gonna get like, the whole I'm, set i'm gonna do this whole thing yeah no so so literally i like i mean i've been collecting this stuff now for years. you got them up around the office or anything so, yeah, or is it around the house you go uh, both okay okay <laughs> okay so so in my in my, my in my kind of master bedroom closet i got a whole bunch of stuff but if you come to my office my private office behind glass i've got like all the classic guys like, oh that's uh, cool and i mean some of these suckers are like insured because they're yeah. Yeah. ridiculously expensive oh yeah plastic yeah. oh yeah oh yeah so i dig that and then you know i'm a big i'm a big gym buff so i've always yeah. been into exercise and right. all that's kind of how i keep my sanity mm. um i used to joke around and say that was kind of like my my ploy to to uh get dates but now it's like <laughs> my ploy to keep myself from jumping off a bridge right. yeah like, self-care without without yeah. exercise and self-care man i would lose my shit mm. no doubt yeah. mm. so gym star wars <laughs> Supercars, family, family, kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. family, God, God kids. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. that's nice. That's a good combination. <laughs> Not bad. Heck Not yeah. Bad. Heck it yeah. works for me. Question number three. Yes. What is one book that has greatly impacted or shaped your life? Oh my goodness. That, I know. That, this one's always is, the hardest. Oh, that is so tough. I mean, because I'm going back in some. Um, that's what. The, so I'll give you one that uh, one of my favorite authors. Her name's Mary Pfeiffer. Okay. And there's a book called Letters to a Young Therapist, and that is one of the most okay. epic reads I've ever had. Um, Mary Pfeiffer is kind of an interesting gal because she's a psychologist, but she doesn't write from like a real clinical jargon sort of right. place. Yeah. It's more just like her own personal experiences, her her struggles. And in this specific book, she's she's writing to a therapist that she had in graduate school and kind of just outlining just her experience with life. And so I think mm. that really uh, definitely resonated with me. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, there's so many books, but that's the one that just jumps out that, at me. That's the one that super, came. Super yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Reminds me of the Letters to a Young Poet. Yeah. Probably, probably a play. That's a good one too. Yeah. 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 A Road Less Traveled. I mean, that's another really good one. I mean, I can, I, there's just so many of them. Um, I'm a huge fan of Jordan Peterson. So okay. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's on the Joe Rogan show mm -hmm. a lot. And he just released a new book that I'm pretty jived on. So, um, you know, those kind of things. But that's the first one that pops in my mind. I could yeah, talk yeah. about that for a while. Warren. Yeah. Cool. Right on. Right well, on. Thank you. So we we got the the three questions out of the way. Now let's just give a little context about you. You, you grew up in California, or you kind of yeah, kind of like, mentioned a sports background, from? like kind of just a kind of nitty gritty like some context be? for who you be, and then we'll get into kind of treatment and apex and 
totally. kind of the recovery as a whole today. Totally. <laughs> we'll talk about what's working and what's not. <laughs> so I think like that, obviously, like, you know, our youth and, and our family of origin, all stuff shapes who we are as people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think a lot of my story in, in one sense is where I came from. Um, you know, I came from a very, uh, I don't want, it wasn't rural, but I came from a very small Caucasian town that was like, kind of like the poster child from Mayberry or something. It's called yeah. Fort Collins, Colorado. It's okay. Like, they have like killer beer and they have Colorado yeah. State University. Yeah. Those yeah. are basically yeah. the two things that they're known for. Uh, so I grew up there and never really, um, totally felt like it was like my scene. I always kind of envisioned myself in a bigger city in a bigger place. Mm. And so when I got out of high school and I had uh, my, my family went through a pretty prolific divorce and I kind of ended up kind of falling on my ass a little bit. Mm. Um, so, so when I left to kind of go to college, I wanted to go somewhere warm, somewhere more fun, um, not really knowing what I was going to get myself into. And that's really why I came to San Diego, came with a couple buddies. Okay. Um, but really appreciate now looking back, you know, I, I think that like the family values, just some of the dynamics that, that I maybe didn't like back then. I still value. I think mm-hmm. they definitely took shape, Helped but I shaped you to who you are. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But I was really under exposed to like the big time like the, the world, world. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And, okay. and specifically alcohol and drugs right okay. because i mean i think most people that grew up in southern california pretty much from the 60s on they had that experience yeah. Yeah. we never had that so yeah. coming out and and seeing those kind of things played a role into me becoming an addiction specialist and kind of finding my path and my way and in, in, in terms of did you was. ever like that yeah that's that's a curious yeah. like <laughs> like where do you where do you kind of can you can you go back to a moment uh an experience an event did you kind of fall you. into it? Yeah. No, so I, I totally didn't. So it's really interesting. So when, uh, you know, I was very much in athletics in high school. And, yeah. then, and then in college, when I was at San Diego State, I became a personal trainer. I worked with a lot of okay. athletes. I was like in, in, in an athletic fraternity. And so kind of my whole identity at that point in time had been just like pure health and like, you know, yeah. going, I wanted to, to major in sports psychology. Sports. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of like very much on that, on that, on that whole uh, path you know and so i didn't really get introduced into drugs or hardcore drugs until really like my kind of like early to mid 20s okay and what i started to to see and and realize was that that was like a very relevant part of my social crew because Mm, i always kind of catered and carried myself in kind of like a cool group right and yeah so like yeah. i wanted to party i wanted to have chicks i wanted to do all these things right and traditionally i had kind of gone this one way and then i started to kind of merge in more i don't want to say the california way but it was in one sense right yeah. like if i was gonna you have to pay to play so to speak right so i started to have a lot more experiences with that i experimented with drugs i experimented mm-hmm. with alcohol and while i didn't really have a, a ton of ad- addictive elements probably to my genetic design and also never really fully went down that path i did submerse myself in it enough to start seeing well not just in myself because i did yeah. see the damage to, to, to i think just myself with my you know some of my use but more so the physically people mentally, that i knew yeah, yeah right like yeah. it's just i just emotionally mentally particularly yeah. right but most of all i think mm. i was just disappointed because i always saw myself as being a leader right and what i realized was if i kind of compromised my values on those pieces right. that mm. i i could talk about being a leader i could talk about what right. was good for you all the time right. people like dude really are you gonna you know yeah. gonna, at midnight you're gonna snort a line of cocaine like how yeah. much of a leader can you be in that in that right. realm right? right so that was that was the first part right so like now all of a sudden i'm really like faced Being with like integrity. understanding like wow this drug thing is like a big 
piece of what's going on out here. How much do I want, want to allow that in my life and not allow it? And then the other part of it was I started to like lose friends. Like we had a guy in my fraternity yeah. that, that OD'd. Yeah. You know, I, I, some people that I just would like casually party with on the weekend, like all of a sudden they're gone for like a month and a half and like, where'd they go? And then all of a sudden they come back like, oh, there's this thing called rehab. So rehab. that was yeah. kind of like my initial introduction right. into some of this stuff. And so it, it kind of fascinated me from like a social perspective, but I think it also challenged me internally because it, it really, it, it really forced me to just say, Hey, what are you all about? Are yeah, you going to yeah. sell out and continue to kind of play with these sorts of things, even though you, you don't like profess that and think that that's the right direction, or are you going to start to kind of separate yourself out? So that You're was gonna going talk on the talk or walk the yeah. walk. Totally. Right. So, so, right. That, so personally that was going on with me and okay. then educationally I had the opportunity to kind of, it, it was really a movement both in the, in the County and I think in the country in general with this whole dual diagnosis thing. Yeah. 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 And no, so, this is, right. This is meaty right here. Right, right, right. So, we... so, so the whole dual diagnosis movement's kind of starting and basically what it said was was traditionally there was substance abuse people over on this side and then you had kind of psychiatry mm-hmm. and, and psychology kind of over yeah. on this side and what they started finding out and and actually the more and more modern studies we see is that that number is actually very small that differentiates that i think that they say it's somewhere around like 60 percent in my experience and if you talk to any other like you know clinical psychologist yeah just counselor they're going to tell you it's like 80 or 90 in fact that, that they have both that they have both almost okay. all the time okay. right yeah. it was it was so funny I was so thought, so yeah. do you when you treat the mental does the drug get better or when you treat the drugs does the mental get well, better? Well, it depends, right? Okay. So I think part of being like a good program, a good clinician is trying yeah. to te- tease that part out, okay. right? Yeah. Because it really does affect how I mean, you want to try to treat everything as best you can, but usually you have to figure out kind of which is primary mm. yeah. and which is secondary because you got to yeah. put your resources usually to primary while still not, you know, not doing something on the secondary. Yeah. And it's funny because I was talking to um, some guys that run a, another treatment program today and we were my clinical director was there. Her name's Mallory Serban. And we were kind of like going back in our in our mental Rolodex over the last year. And we remember one patient that was like pure CD. And he was a guy that was just kind of like remote and he was like a construction worker and he lived in Oregon and like he'd never been on psych meds. We, I mean, yeah. we did psych testing on him. He had no depression. He just drank too much damn beer. Right. That was it. And yeah. so it was fairly easy to treat. You know yeah. what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, we yeah. kind of got that resolved and it was a lot easier. But yeah. most of the time, you know, some something's chasing the dog. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You right. kind of got to like figure that cycle out and break it. Otherwise, you're in deep, deep dog trouble. Let me let me just rewind for a sec. Okay. When you initially went to school, yeah, 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 were you going to school for what you ended yeah. up? So I knew I wanted to be. I I knew I wanted to be some sort of counselor, psychologist okay. from the okay. time I was 13 years old. There was uh, my like I told you, my family went through a bad divorce and I had some yeah. um, tough times. I can relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To- well, a lot of people can. Yeah. Right? And so um, I, I went to this one counselor and I, I was just, it, he like was kind of life changing to me. It's a really funny story because he was actually, I think he was a professional football player or he had uh, played for the University of Colorado. And I'm a big guy, yeah. but this dude was huge, man. Yeah. He was like okay. six, five, six, six, 300. And I remember I came in the first time to meet Damn. him, but dude, he like gave me like a big bear hug and he was like the softest, like most easy <laughs> dude to talk to. Yeah. And like, I was like, this yeah. is weird, Gentle. right? Like it was yeah. like, I, I never had experienced that combination <laughs> of like physical kind of strength, but also this ability to be calm and collected and cool. And I, I just love that. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, 
I had some intuition that I could be like, that same kind of person. Mm. And so I saw, I, I kind of like was like, man, this is like, like, like legit. So, uh, that really motivated me. It's funny. My, my dad ran into him years and years later and he said, you know, you kind of like made my son go into that field. And he was like, are you kidding me? Was, <laughs> he was tripped out about it. Yeah. yeah he actually yeah. was able to hear that. So yeah, that's kind of, kind of how okay. it all, how it all kind of started. And then, and then you were in school and you started to see this but and started the, to jump into that lifestyle. You had and both then, things going on. Your right. personal experience and what you saw around you and you mentioned the dual diagnosis kind of movement picking up absolutely and and so i just said you know when when i when i got the opportunity to get my first job mental health i was a i was a uh, head uh doorman kind of bouncer slash doorman at nightclubs downtown so i I was like very much into the scene yeah Yeah. and i got to this place i think i was 23 or 24 and i said you know what like even i was always going to school i think i just started my master's program then but i was like you know what to hell with this i know i need some education in like real life situations yeah and so i ended up getting my first job and i immediately started to gravitate towards the dual diagnosis Mm. because what i saw was um on the dual diagnosis side a lot of times if you could treat both or you know depending on which one it was you would get really great outcomes sometimes with just pure mental health issues it's kind of a merry-go-round it's just a lot of medication and i think Mm -hmm. that you know god bless the people that do that work it's necessary Mm -hmm. but for me i saw people that struggled with addiction but also had some some mental health stuff as being some of the most dynamic people that i'd ever worked with i just dug them they had like deep souls they were Mm -hmm. sensitive Mm -hmm. they had a lot of pieces they had some tough parts to their life and so i felt like if you know i came in was able to rearrange a few things teach some some coping skills get them motivated Towards yeah, that. right. Yeah. It's all about motivation too. Right. Like, and, yeah. and I think a lot of them kind of looked looked at me and said, "Wow, like that." This guy kind of gets me for some reason, but I also look up to him a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. And so I was able to kind of take that, and I immediately realized that that was like my calling for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. And so I just kept building and building on that, and then with you know the right mentorship and, yeah. and training, as yeah. well as a lot of life's opportunities, mm-hmm. I was able to get to where we're at. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've got some yeah. questions here. Sure. What's what's working in treatment, and and then what's not working? Wow, on so that's a. I mean, we're we're right now. <laughs> it's a loaded question, and yeah. I mean, you come across, and, and I bring this up. You know, Give us a you, you come across a lot of stats that drug and alcohol treatment isn't that effective, or right. or you know, like the cost, and and then like, are you paying for a result? And right. and I know, you know, Roman and I both know, and, and as well as you, I mean, there's some things that are really well right but but then there's some other pieces that could probably use some improvement or absolutely or maybe are a little unethical in some ways and and the whole nine yards absolutely so and i really appreciate that question because (laughs) i think that's like the biggest piece that's facing our entire industry yeah Um, this is a really weird time guys because it's like um our whole industry is under attack to a certain extent um, and manage care <clears throat> and, and basically the, the payers that pay for these things are part of that responsibility. But the other part of the responsibility is treatment centers that haven't done ethical things. Right. right. So, you know, one thing when I started Apex Recovery and, and, and I sat down, I said, you know, there's some things that we're just not going to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, human trafficking, which yeah. is what I call it. Cause some people talk it about like pay to play, pay or, for referrals. I don't call it that. I just call it, right. I just yeah. call that human trafficking. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. And, and, uh, and, and if it's, if it's not that bad, then it will eventually turn into yeah, that because it's a right. nasty path to start yeah. going down. So that, that's been kind of like the dark secret of the industry. 
everything for the last five years. Yeah. And I just shut my doors on that. I don't, don't answer those calls. I don't enter if they walk into my trim room and say, Hey, I don't, I don't work with those marketing companies, right. but it makes it tough because yeah. basically we're reliant on, you know, word of mouth and just the professionals right. and, and repeat customers. And providing excellent yeah. service. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then people that have come to us referring their family and friends. Yeah. Right. So I think that that's, um, kind of one of the things that yeah. I would say that's not working. Got it. One of the things that is working is evidence-based results. So you hear yeah. people talk a lot about that. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, one of the big issues that I think has uh, historically, no one has really sought out what really works. Right. They have always lags. Right, right. Exactly. Right. And so like, and, and the thing is, is like maybe one thing works for somebody and it doesn't work for somebody else. Right. You, you mean there's no cookie cutter solution? <laughs> right. There's not, a, there's not a cookie cutter approach. Yeah. Like saying that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is cookie that real? Cutter. Line? The cookie cutter mm-hmm. approach. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So we got to smash up the cookie cutters, man. None of that. Yeah. Uh, so I think evidence based results. So I'm not going to get into all the, the technical jargon, but I yeah. mean, if you have trauma, right? Like, I mean, if you've been yes. one of the young women who've been through addiction, then chances are you've been raped maybe a few times, right? Sexual, you have, right? Right. sexual, sexual abuse, assault. right? If you're a, a guy, maybe you've had a gun put to your head a few times, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've gone through trauma, it actually changes your gray matter. I mean, it actually turns on and off various things yeah. in your brains. So you really need to get very specific treatment for those kinds of things. So yeah. um, making sure that you do, and you're also assessing when people come in, like what are your issues and are we lining up our treatment protocols right. with what it is that's affecting you first and foremost, right? Absolutely yeah. crucial. And then the other thing that I think that is happening, we do it, but I, I know another, a lot of companies are starting to go to this and joint commission, which is the accreditation yeah. body, which is a big important step yep. uh, for thing, for people that are being serious uh, right. in treatment centers anyway, um, are, are really starting to get behind that. And and that's just outcome-based study. So what is yeah. an outcome-based study? It's something people that have gone into doctoral programs tend to know a lot about, but it's basically just taking a sample or the people that are coming through your program Program right. and checking what the results following are, them, right, right? Following up. So when you come to Apex, you get a year of case management service and follow up afterwards at no wow. cost, right? Mm-hmm. And so part of that is so that we can see how you're doing. But the other part of it is, is like, hey, if you need some referrals or some assistance, yeah. that is a yeah. huge piece of what goes on, right? And so you can have the best treatment program in the whole world, and people can be like completely sober and learn right. everything that they need to learn in a month. And then if you send them out into the streets or into a bad, you know situation right of course they're going to relapse yeah anybody would right right and and we can't sit there and expect them to like have some like invisible wall and shield them it's not realistic yeah so so i think having good treatment that's evidence-based having good discharge planning and follow-up through case management services and then as a as as a company measuring your results so that you know what you're doing while someone's in treatment and then after they're in treatment how effective you are absolutely core core stuff for for treatment across the board I, i Thank you yeah. for that. And that brings up a question for me. So we've had some providers on before and, and it, there's always kind of that debate of, of harm reduction versus mm-hmm. abstinence. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. And, and I mean, like I, I get like, I kind of was on very heavily one way. And sure. after talking with some professionals sure. in the industry, I actually kind of get the other side too. Sure. 
I mean, I'm not asking for you to take a stand, but maybe shed some light on kind of where you're at or how you feel about that. I think any treating professional should be able to weigh in on that question. Yeah. If you can't weigh in on that question, yeah. then you're not worth the hell <laughs> okay. of There <laughs> Whatever, we go. Okay? Let's, let's go so there. I'm a pretty, opi- I'm a pretty opinionated <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah, bring it you're on. You're the right so, guy so, for the show. So, so, yeah. I, so I try, I'll try to tone down, tone down some things. But but my, my answer to that is, is, is not as direct as you're going to want it to be because I think it's situational. Okay. If you come, totally. to my, if, if you come into my private practice right and you're a guy that say has a family he works a really good job he hasn't had duis he hasn't had a lot of major trouble in his life but you know what he's definitely drinking too much right yeah mm-hmm. there can be treatments that, that i absolutely prescribe to to reduce harm right mm-hmm. teaching him how to drink differently how to mm-hmm. improve his coping skills some some of those things yeah when your life is unmanageable and out of control and you have to check into my rehab, we're going to be an abstinence yeah. based program. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Different approach. So, right. Got it's it. a different approach. So yeah. so I think that there's different approaches for different times and situations. There absolutely can be some moderations, but um some some of the old books used to say, you know, you can take a cucumber and make it a pickle, but once it's a pickle, yeah. it won't be a cucumber yeah. again. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm we're very open minded on on some pieces. Like I said, I've known people that have had heroin addiction and have gone back to smoking weed periodically and that's worked for them. I don't mm-hmm. judge them for that. But when it comes to our rehab experience, really what we're looking for is kind of like optimal, you know, yeah. that's yeah. the optimal sort of way to go. And so we really are working to, to get people in an abstinence based piece. And so and let me just finish on one other yeah. piece here. Cause I, you got a lot for me. Uh, so, so, so the final thing that I'd say, and this is always what I use for my young kids is I say, listen, I'm t- you want you want to you try other things you want to try control drinking you want to try smoking some pot after you get done with this I say listen if you can commit to being sober for a year getting your whole life together getting things going get your brain functioning thing and you're able to do that then I'll have that discussion with you because right. here's what I've found and what I know is that once yeah. people are usually sober and healthy and doing things really good they for like a period it. of time they like it they realize how shitty they felt before. Yeah. And yeah. I've got to tell you guys, it's the same way. People mm-hmm. ask me, so I'm, I'm not in recovery, but I tell you what, I keep my drinking to almost nil. And I'll yeah. do it because if I pick up a drink, yeah. I'm going to like end up like you do in it because the, the results are better. Yes, yeah. because like, here's yeah. what I know. I don't yeah. want my heart to I start sorry. beating and feel anxious. I don't mm-hmm. want to wake up and feel kind of weird in the morning. It's yeah. Not, yeah. My, not my scene. I try to practice what I preach. Right. So I tell people like, try not to get into the black and white sort of thing. Because it's what's, not that. Do what's optimal for you and yourself in your situation. If you're coming yeah. into rehab and you've got those kind of problems, your goal needs to be, how do I learn how to have a life of sobriety mm-hmm. and manage that? And then if down the road you want to have that discussion with a good professional that helps walk and monitor it, like I said, some people can do it. A lot of people can't. So you yeah. have to be realistic about that. No, yeah, I, that's I love something that. that you know, we believe and yeah. we preach a lot is this idea of, individualized care right you know back to the the cookie cookie cutter cutter right like (laughs) like at its core individualized care because agreed like the way that we came up is like abstinence-based sure sobriety like that's it sure sure, there's no harm reduction if you do that you're whatever right but it's like really like meeting clients where, where they are. are. Totally. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. and, and developing a plan that works. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, I think going back to the evidence-based thing, I think if you read research and you really follow that versus just public perception, you'll find that there's a lot of gray. A lot mm-hmm. of people recover naturally. A lot of yeah. people are able to, you know, become marathon runners and all of a sudden they yeah. give up drinking or drug yeah. using or whatever else. So people can come to recovery in a lot of different ways. And I support all of them. I don't yeah. think that my approach is always the, the yeah. best approach. I don't necessarily think 12 steps 
step's always the best approach or the mm-hmm. smart recovery is the best approach. I think that what people need to do is really get in with a professional and look at what their problems Where are and then try to figure right. out, hey, what is the best indicated way for me to get success for what it is that I'm mm-hmm. after? Yeah, totally. Well, you know, one thing that really resonated for me is is the practicing what you preach because when you're in integrity, you can have a message of depth and weight Absolutely. and it can land. Absolutely. You can have power and it's it's karmically, it's like energetically it, it it comes across that way. Yeah, when you're not living authentically, yeah. then you have no uh people to preach from, you yeah. know, the pulpit to yeah. preach from. Yeah, just nothing. Yeah. One one other question. Um and this kind of goes to the outcomes cuz so I'm an RN. Mm-hmm. I come from healthcare, critical sure. care, sure. Um, everything we do with evidence-based practice. Right. And one thing that I notice with treatment is, is when you get into the outcome measures, like what are the like what would you say are the top two or three outcome measures that you would that like? How does someone how deem do like right? This so is successful. Th- this is a pro, th- and this is another problem in our industry, <laughs> yeah. right? And and and, and, and honestly, measure? what what I would hope is <laughs> yeah. that um, you know, because well, a lot of the treatment centers are using this thing called ASAM. And it's yeah, the, it's the yeah. guidelines. So is the county, right? Exactly, right? And yeah. so, and and I. Th- I don't necessarily think it's the best. I just think it was what was available mm-hmm. and it kind of was like dictating things from right Lack now. But better options. But I think there needs to literally be like an organization, almost like a joint commission or something that helps evaluate mm. treatment across the board, right? Like these are going to be the measures that are going to be universal that you're going to be required to plug them in and then you're going to be required to give the results. Well, you can't just make your own. But tradition- That's a really good idea. Actually. I mean, do you I'll see it going that way a little bit kind of? Yeah, I, with the I, way I, that insurance I'm, companies now i'm wanting well, to work on that i mean that's they, really yeah. one of the goals it, i want to do so like in the icu if someone gets like we call it a cotty catheter sure, yeah, associate yeah, yeah. yeah and they get they get an infection like right. the hospital pays for that that's correct you know if they right. get a bloodstream infection like right. the hospital pays for that that's right when we move from fee for service to quality of care sure so i like kind of what we'd like to yeah. see is, is, is right. what what's going on there. That's is, right. is, what is it? I mean that. That's, I mean you brought it up. That sounds a, awesome. I mean insurance companies aren't gonna keep paying for crap three to five percent success rate. That's exactly right. You know what I'm saying? I've like, heard like and, and, what is it? Blue Cross has not paid anyone the whole year or something. Yeah, Someone think, was saying well, yeah, that. Yeah, Blue Shield of California's yeah. pretty much just gone against everybody. There's some huge you know health yeah. net lawsuits. There's there's a lot of yeah. things that are going on. And like I said. I'm an honest guy, so it's tough for me personally because it's hurting my yeah. treatment facility. Yeah, uh, we've put invested a huge amount of money into good staff, good physicians, mm-hmm. good clinicians. Yeah, yeah. doing joint commission, all these yeah. things, right? And yeah. then it's like a lot of other the bad people kind of screw. Yeah. It's like being back in like well, elementary think, school. You know, I feel like the the hammer's been dropping or yeah. it's starting to. Yeah, absolutely, you know, you, you've seen it. In different parts of the country, yeah, yeah. like down there, yeah, absolutely. You know, the right a lot. You know, <laughs> the south, there, right? Yeah. You, you see it happen a lot, yeah, but it's a also bit happening just a little bit up, recently. yeah, yeah, exactly. up the yeah. Five. yeah. So exactly. you're starting to see it happen where absolutely. the hammer is dropping, and Big I think time. it's only yeah. going to get stricter and stricter and it stricter. Is. And I love it. Yeah, yeah no, I'm I do so too. in love with it. I just hope that the insurance companies also say, "Hey, the the companies that are, are doing, doing it right, we're not going to like play as such hardball because." Uh, and, and I have some people that I know in insurance companies, and I think their mentality has always been that both behavioral, meaning mental health, mm-hmm. and substance abuse are kind of like losing, you know, losers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Almost kind of like social regulation, right? We're going to just kind of let those people dwindle to the side and hope right. that we don't have to deal with it. That's the wrong approach. Well, that's right? how it was for 
forever. Right. Exa- right? That exactly. That was approach forever. Yeah. It We're kind of like coming back full they, circle. Yeah. They used to just way. throw them in, in right, the right, scene right, asylum. Right. Absolutely. Right. 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 We'll figure and, it and, out. and maybe they paid for it. I don't know. I mean, yeah. that's the big yeah. issues that, you know, I think we're going to need, uh, I'm, I'm part of something called ATAC and there's a big a group of treatment providers that are, are ethical and, and, and have a certain guideline in order to enter that. And they're trying to do some stuff on political cool. level. So I think cool. that, that keeps coming. But to get back to your point, you know, we need to have a set of standards for yeah. outcome based measures. For sure. The number one that you usually see run around is the abstinence or the, the sobriety point at one that. year. Yeah. But yeah. that's a really, I mean, it's a it, there, there's some some reasonableness to that measure. However, everybody knows that relapse is part of recovery. Yeah, it's a very rare at I any know. level of care and any experience that I've been at that someone doesn't you know say, "Gosh, I, I, is it really that bad?" And the good news is, people that have really gotten good treatment usually will yeah. screw up one time and then they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm not going back down that road." Right, right. But it does happen sometimes, yeah. right? So that kind of makes that measure a little bit hard. But that year thing is also tough too because a lot of people don't respond. And so I'm on a LinkedIn so panel, know. right? And a lot of people, like, there was one guy who's like, well, you know, anybody that doesn't respond should automatically be qualified as, you know, basically relapse and treatment didn't take. And I immediately said, well, that's not true because we had someone, unfortunately, that died of old age, right? Yeah. So there may be other yeah. other reasons just from, you know, a pure statistical right. uh, place. You right. don't know all the reasons why someone may not you respond, right? Assume. They yeah. may be in jail for a comp- yeah. tax evasion. We yeah. don't know. Yeah. So, you know, trying to figure figure out like what's a good sample size to give like a good indicator. It can't just be people you get a hold of because maybe you say, well, I know that guy's not going to do well, so I'm not going to call him. So there needs to be a better set of standards, right? So what we're really looking at doing, and I'm going to try to do, we're going to be working on another set of evaluations, also evaluating family members, right? Mm. So alongside individual and the Mm. patient also kind of work with, work with the family, see what the family's, response has been to the treatment, what their response has been to the patient, because that may be a good follow-up. So I think there's a lot more we can do to look at the family. Especially with the family dynamics as being such a crucial role to both addiction and recovery. Right. You know, so I, I think what I'm saying is I think it needs more work. There needs to be yeah. more of an industry standard. It needs to look at occupation. You know, are people employable now? Are they yeah. in school? Right. As well as being sober, yeah. Yeah. right? And yeah. then also maybe some mental health pieces too. Yeah. Like really, yeah. like are they you know not quality suicidal? Yeah. Have they not have they not entered into a psychiatric facility right. since right. they were discharged? Right. Like those things are meaningful. Yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah. So let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do it. Absolutely. I listen. If I if if I had the time to sit down for one week, I could come up with one of the sickest yeah. freaking outcomes. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Oh, I dig it. Wow. Well, this has been a this yeah, has been this an incredible been, show. Seriously. Kinda, we was, we started here. Kind of went over there. Yeah. Back yeah. over here a little bit. But like, appreciate you coming on. Yeah. First so and foremost, yes. this has been good. I, I'm sure our listeners are like. Yeah. You know, wow, blown away by mm-hmm. everything that you said, mm-hmm. mostly what we've said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, in ending, first of all, where can people find you? Yes. Like, so uh, there's a couple places, but primarily off our website, which is www.apex.rehab. No dot com. So Apex.rehab. Okay, Apex.rehab. R-E-H-A-B. Okay. So you can find us there. And then you can also just, if you Google my practice, my name, Matthew Bruin, you'll find me. I've got Matthew Bruin. Yeah. Cool, cool. Facebook. 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, yeah. LinkedIn, Snapchat. <laughs> what, are we, what are we missing? Uh, I don't think I, have, I don't think we did yeah. Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, Apex Tinder. Yeah. 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 Apex yeah. Tinder, recovery. Yeah. Hot Tinder. or not? Yeah, yeah. these yeah. guys, right? SoberTinder.com. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, lastly, just for the listener, someone yes. who's maybe struggling, maybe it's a family member, doesn't know what to do, doesn't know where to go, like. Just drop a little bit of... What's a nugget, like a tidbit? Just a little like, sprinkle like a little them with a little bit of something. Well, I, something, I, I, something. yeah, absolutely. So what I would say is, number one, don't give up, yeah. right? Because it's so easy to get discouraged. And that goes for all aspects of life, man. People are no str- doubt. S- struggling right now, right? And mm-hmm. people are very disconnected, right? Yeah. So number one is get connected. How do you get connected? By finding support groups, by finding professionals that can find you someone. Them. Yeah, find someone, right? Don't just kind of just let it sit out there, right? Yeah, when we get stressed yeah. out, just we kind of do that whole ostrich thing where we just stuff our head in the sand so or on our phone yeah, yeah exactly right so, yeah so, or phone <laughs> so, so get connected i mean people are listening to something great here you guys yeah. will connect reach with anybody yeah. reach out to us apex.rehab uh, and then like i said man you got to just keep believing right mm-hmm. i mean anything that you ever study man if people have faith and have positive belief the outcome is always better Manifest. so you gotta just keep i gotta just keep those wheels churning Boom. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much again for Appreciate being on the it, show. Appreciate it. This Thank has you, been huh? This has been another episode of the Sober Life Audio Experience. Boom. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.